Peace, peace, peace. I am Doctor. I got I gotta start saying Doctor more. I am Dr. Philip Roundtree, and you are tuned into the August 29th edition of Rhetorically Speaking. Props to those of you who are watching on YouTube. Wait, wrong side. Make sure you hit that that little subscribe button. Let me move my phone out the way just in case it's blocking the subscribe button. All right, there we go. You want to hit that right there because that, that shows the love. And that's what we're here for. We're all about love. We're all in addition to black liberation and showing love to persons that are global majority and just share humanity showing love is hitting hitting that little button right there props to those of you who are watching on facebook i encourage you to go over to youtube and watch over there but i'll let you i'll let you chill there for now and last but certainly not least props to those of you who are watching on instagram y'all need to go over there because it's just a, a overall better viewing experience on the youtube so today we are going to engage in pretty serious conversation. And I'm sure some of you are like, what's new? <laughs> you always talk about about something serious. You always have a perspective to offer. And yes, today is no different. We will be talking about the, the I'm about to say Atlanta, the Georgia high school football coach who was caught on live television punching a player in the bread basket and the bread basket is his stomach we are also going to be discussing i want i want to get y'all thoughts maybe maybe about something that took place with my daughter um who is a is a teenager and 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 it has to do with ordering mcdonald's on grubhub so if i have the energy <laughs> i am definitely going to get to to that but first we're going to have this this serious conversation and always drop your comments in the chat. Hit the like button, hit the share button. It'd be greatly appreciated. We're going to talk about this hate crime that took place in Jacksonville, Florida at a Dollar General where a white gunman and I and I hate saying his name. I hate saying his name, but it's important, right? Because I, I'm, I'm a. I'm a non-traditional journalist, so I have to do some journalistic types of things, which is identifying who this killer is. Ryan Christopher Palmetter, 21, who shot and killed three, three black folk at a Jacksonville Dollar General. Fam. And even just, even in, in and I'm just coming off the heels of full transparency, of a conversation for the next hashtag you good man where I'm talking about death dying and grieving and so to come off the heels of a conversation of death dying and grieving to now have a conversation about three black folk who were killed at a dollar general just three days ago by a white supremacist white nationalist we use this term interchangeably. Somebody undoubtedly with untreated mental health issues is hard. It's hard because where we are in society today, this is happening every day. Somebody is dying at the hands of another literally every day. 
a little bit later, I'm going to talk about, I'm going to offer the statistics that came from the FBI when it comes to the increase in hate crimes and which demographic is most impacted. Spoiler alert is Negroes. Spoiler alert, it's Negroes. Again, I say spoiler alert, it is Negroes, it is black folk. But black, back to this murder. So details have emerged regarding the killer. He had a manifesto where he supposedly spoke about his hatred for black people along with other groups, along racial lines. He talked about his hatred of liberals. He talked about a hatred for apparently conservatives. How do we know this? 45 minutes after this attack where he shot this black woman sitting in her car who was an Uber driver, shot her 10 to 12 times, killing her. Then going into the Dollar General where he kills an employee and then kills somebody just walking into the store before turning the gun on himself. We know this because his father contacted the police. 45 minutes too late, days too late, probably years too late. But 45 minutes after the shootings to inform them of what was written in his son's journal, which was homicidal and suicidal in nature. He informed them that his son hadn't been taking a psychiatric medication. Before offering my thoughts, I want to say rest in peace to Angela Michelle Carr, 52, who was that Uber driver. Anult Joseph LaGuerre Jr., known as AJ, 29, who worked at the store. Gerald Deshaun Gallion, 19. I want to send love and light to not only these now ancestors, but to their family, to their friends, to their community, to humanity. Cause see, when you kill folk, not only when folk die, it's not, a, it's not just the loss of an individual. A family feels that, a community feels that, a society feels that, if you're doing this right. Again, if you're doing this right. And so I feel these losses. These, all, these losses not only inspire me to continue the work that I, that I think that I'm doing, which is healing work and having folk think critically, but it, it, it encourages me to continue to put community first because I do believe that the next coming isn't this rugged individualism that we've become accustomed to, but the next coming is community. On to my thoughts. So apparently this white supremacist, and this is how I'm, I'm gonna refer to him, I'm not saying his name anymore. Apparently this white supremacist has a history of psychiatric issues where he was placed on a 72 hour hold in his teenage years 
due to suicidality. Clearly, his father is aware of this. And this is where I hold his father accountable. Now, your son and and part of the conversation when it comes to this to this entire situation and how it's being spun in certain places is that this white supremacist, this white nationalist worked at a dollar store. And so he had traveled to other dollar stores. In one place that he traveled, he was confronted by security. So he sped off and found himself at another dollar store, which happened to be this Dollar General that are trying to paint the picture like there's this animus resulting from his time in and working at this dollar store. And part of that may be true. But we know this racial hate that's also that's in his manifesto, which caused him to drive to a predominantly black community and let off shots. We know that that's a driving force also. And so when I say his father was 45 minutes too late, hours too late, days too late, months too late, years too late, after his son dropped out of college and didn't leave the bedroom for days on end, there was something taking place. His wellness was being neglected. Now, if he would have, if, if he would have engaged his son, he potentially would have, the lives of, of Angela and AJ and Gerald might have been saved because he might have had some awareness of what his son was thinking, how he was feeling. See, as a parent, sometimes you have to go above and beyond. Yes, you do have, inf- have to infringe upon the personal space. I talk all the time about my, my daughter is her own individual, soon to be 15 year old. And I wanna give her this opportunity to live her life on her terms. It's my, it's my responsibility to guide. But as a, as, a, as a person who's also a part of a community in society at large, I have a responsibility to make sure that she doesn't cause harm to others. And so if that means going into her bedroom, if I do have some some real concerns, if I'm concerned about just her well-being, then that's what I need to do. But I also understand as a parent, sometimes we don't know what to do. Sometimes it's just like, okay, you know what? Maybe they'll, they'll grow out of it. We tend to do that with men, boys and men who experience mental health issues. It's like, and just individuals in general, you know what? They'll grow out of it. This might just be a period. It's just some downtime, especially the generations that we're in now. It's not uncommon to have boys, to have men stay in their rooms, to have children, to have adults stay in their rooms for hours on end whether they're playing video games, whether they're on social media. 
but there's a disconnect that exists. And this disconnect caused three innocent people their lives. When I saw that this happened in Jacksonville, specific in in Florida, but specifically in Jacksonville, who has a who has a prominent history of, of racial animus, of racial divide. I wasn't shocked. In fact, and I want to be wrong about this. I think in the days and the months and the years to come, we're going to see more race-based crimes where white supremacists slash white nationalists are taking out their anger, their frustration, their incompetence, exhibiting their lack of humanity. They're going to be taking that out against persons of the global majority. And so when I say persons of the global majority, we know that when, yeah, America will will be the majority, and I hate the term majority, minority, but we know the majority will be non-white individuals in another, another 20 to 30 years. But if we look across the globe, we know that white folk aren't the majority. Hence the reason that we use the term persons of the global majority. But I foresee this taking place because what's happening in places like Florida, same thing with places like Texas, where we saw another race-based crime take place last year. What's happening? They're doing away with, with curriculum. They're bringing in this, this, this antebellum, this, this white nationalist uh, perspective to education, which doesn't necessarily harm persons of the global majority if we're doing it right. Asians, whether they're going to school or not, they're going to know about their, their, their history, about their culture. Now, black folk, if we're doing it right, we don't necessarily need the schools to, to educate on who we are because we have knowledge of self. Again, if we're doing it right. Who suffers or whom? Individuals like this white supremacist slash white nationalist. Kids who are growing up who only have to identify Rosa Parks by picture. They don't have to know what Rosa Parks did. They don't, they don't get the privilege of being able to read Bell Hooks and, and Toni Morrison, Kaisi Lehman, and so many other dope black authors they don't get to learn about their own history in a way that's fully transparent and so what'll happen like in the movie higher learning when remy sacrifices life for what for the cause it's just like oh man remy's dead and he's just like, no, you know what that is? White freaking power. And that's what is probably being looked at by other white nationalists. He sacrificed himself, himself for the greater cause. This domestic terrorist, 
I haven't seen that language used. I haven't seen it used in the New York Times. I haven't seen that language used in C on CNN. I haven't seen domestic terrorists used. But we're quick to use that when it's non-white folk. Right? They're terrorizing the city. This white supremacist terrorized not only these three black folk, but the black community and all of humanity. What's funny, and I don't even necessarily know if it's funny, right? But I, I got a chuckle out of it. I saw Ron DeSantis. I saw him have something to say. He was initially booed when he showed up unexpectedly. But like good city council people do, no, no, let's, let's give him an opportunity to speak. Why? Why does he deserve an opportunity to speak? Why should we have to hear from a white, another white supremacist, white nationalist, who's carrying out the same agenda as this 21-year-old? Who's creating an environment that's ripe for the breeding of this type of mentality, this type of mindset. But this is what they do. They don't deserve the platform. He didn't deserve this platform. But he came out and said, this shouldn't have taken place. Right? This is unacceptable. Again, all I could do is chuckle. Because it's contradictory to the very actions that are taking place within the very state that he governs. The unfortunate part when it comes to this situation outside of the lives that are lost is that the very real mental health issues that exist in this situation that could potentially play a role in this taking place. See, this is psychopathic slash sociopathic behavior. This is antisocial personality disorder. Now, I'm not sitting here diagnosing them, but this is a very real thing. We see this in serial killers. We see these characteristics. But what it will cause is it will cause folk to, to turn on mental health. Why? Because it's not necessarily used in every situation. Across racial and ethnic lines. I just saw here today in Philadelphia. Kim, I believe his name is Kim Brady Carriker. Carriker, I believe his name is. Carried out a mass shooting, a black individual, because I don't know their, their gender identity. Carried out a mass shooting a few months ago. And he was deemed, they were deemed, excuse me, incompetent to stand trial. Because yes, from my perspective, as a clinician, from my perspective, as somebody who's, who's been reading the research, to engage in this, this type of antisocial behavior. This wasn't necessarily just 
a loss of impulse. This is something that has been stewing, something that has been brewing for a very long time. And so this individual could have faced that same fate. But what will happen is, and I'm shocked. I'm shocked that they that he was deemed them they were deemed, excuse me, incompetent to stand trial. Because that's not usually how it goes, especially for black folk who come in contact with the legal system. Now what also, and and I don't advocate for or against the legal system in in, in this regard, I don't make their case for them. But I can very well see a defense attorney saying, this individual is legally insane. In Kim, in Kim Brady's case, and no different than this, this 21-year-old white supremacist case, this isn't something that just pops up one day. For Kim Brady, individuals who knew them saw the diminished capacity that was taking place over the past few weeks, which manifested and them terrorizing the Southwest Philadelphia area. Same thing here. They didn't just, this individual, this white supremacist didn't just start writing this manifesto last night. This was something that was brewing. Just the hate. The pain. The loss of touch of reality. And so I guess what I'm saying is two things can be true. This can be a hate crime. This is anti-blackness in its purest form. But it also can be a mental health issue attached to it. I just don't I just don't see this changing. As I said earlier, Rich says he is just trying to boost his chances with anybody for their vote. He doesn't give a damn about any of it. He can shove it. And he's speaking about Ron DeSantis, who struggles with smiling. Can't create a smile. Can't fake a smile. Which, again, may be some underlying mental health issues that are taking place. But as long as there's access to guns, or if this individual having an AK-47 and having a handgun, as long as it's just wanton thinking and behaviors when it comes to, to gun control and legislation, even though I think we're too far gone, because the guns that exist in the 1700s and the 1800s, they still can kill you. So, so these guns are out here. They're not being melted down. But maybe this individual wouldn't have been able to, to acquire one if the legislation was in place to thwart an individual who's had a mental health stay if his dad had made that call and said, hey, my son needs an evaluation. He needs to be inpatient. 
for maybe a long period of time, then maybe these three lives will still be present. So again, sending a, a rest in peace to in, in, in love and light to these individuals, Angela Michelle Carr, Annette Joseph LaGuerre Jr., known as AJ, Gerald Deshaun Gallion, 19. I can only see it getting worse. And I know I and when and I know I said that it has gotten worse when we talk about an increase in hate crimes. According to the to the FBI, hate crimes have increased by more than 11% since 2020 since the George Floyd uprising, which was also a hate crime with anti-black hate crimes making up a large bias incident category with 31% of all single bias incidents in 2021. Which means that black folk are feeling the brunt of this. And again, I expect to see an uptick in these red states like Florida, like Texas, who are trying to take the world back to enslavement. With that being said, we're gonna keep the party going. With this next with this next topic, it was so disgusting. It was so problematic. It was so heart wrenching that it was no way in hell I was going to show this video much like I do other videos where I bring it up for individuals to watch for those who haven't seen it. But let me paint the picture for you. A volunteer coach, not even a paid employee of the school, a volunteer coach on the sidelines for Mays High School. There was a live televised football game taking place. And what you see is this coach berating this player. And he was so angry that he punched him in the stomach. And the player, which most high bless his heart, didn't punch him in the face back because that was assault. That was battery. And subsequently, he was arrested for assault and, uh, assault and battery. I don't know what the child abuse laws are in, 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 in Georgia are, but this might fit the bill for those charges to, to, to be offered as well, to be applied rather as well. And when I sat and saw that I was immediately disgusted, but then when I take a step back, and I think about it, of course this would happen on, in, on a football field, on the football sidelines. This happens all the time, I'm sure, on football sidelines across the country. I've personally seen for my two days in playing football in high school. I've seen coaches slap people on the helmet forcefully, push players grabbed them forcefully to put them in the right position. 
the former coach for the high school that I went to told the player that the best part of him was left on the bed. Some 20 some odd years later, I remember that. And we laughed at it thinking that it was funny. But what does that do to the esteem, especially the esteem of black boys? Who we hope to grow into being healthy black men. What does this punch in the stomach of this teenage football player do to their confidence, do to their esteem? How are they viewed amongst their peers? I'm sure somebody in that rocker room that's saying, yo, he the reason so-and-so got fired. He the reason so-and-so got, got brought up on charges. Could he potentially be ostracized from the football team in school? See, we when, when it comes to this idea of football, we love violence. But proponents of football will argue that it's controlled violence. Health issues aside, neurological issues that come as a result of playing football, the, phys- the physical issues that so many experience. Let's put that to the side. It's an inherently violent sport. And so what you're asking people to do is to turn this on and turn this off. So me personally, when I see a football player who beats up their partner, who strikes their wife, their girlfriend, that Ray Rice incident, you're asking somebody to have to be aggressive. Their profession is to be aggressive. And then to to suddenly turn that off when they're amongst the lay people. That's a yeoman's task that we're asking. Why do we think so many people who go off to war have difficulties adjusting when they come back? Because they're in the midst of violence. 24-7 aggression. And now they're coming back and they're maladjusted. And so they find different ways to cope. So it's drinking. It's self-harm in some capacity. It's violence towards their family. But yet and still when it comes to football. It's this. No, you're not supposed to. You, you can't do this. When they're bred from a young age to exhibit violence for what a college scholarship most of these people aren't going to go and play college football an even smaller percentage are going to go play in the NFL so they're putting their life and their limbs in jeopardy for what for the accolades to say they accomplished something, they did something for stories to tell like Al Bundy when they get older. And I'm sure 
Because you don't just wake up one day and decide to punch a teenager in his stomach. But I believe if we look back in the past of this coach, we're going to see more incidents of aggression. Maybe not to this extent. But in ways that are harmful to others in community. That's all I got. With that being said, I'm tired. I'm logging off. I appreciate you all tuning in. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, like, wherever you're listening to this, whether it's on your Spotify, your Apple Music, your et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you're on YouTube, again, hit that. I think it's over here or over here. One of them sides. Hit that subscribe button. Until next time, peace.